Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's hard-hitting Axis Arrows. Learn more about Easton's cutting-edge and fuse carbon arrow technology today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Editor Christian Berg. Welcome back to another episode of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're glad that you've taken some of your precious time to be with us today, learn more about the greatest sport out there, and uh, hopefully be a little bit more effective this coming hunting season. We always enjoy uh, talking bow hunting and especially giving you guys information that can help you fill tags. And today, I know that we're going to do that because we've got a guest who is uh, absolutely uh, an extremely serious bow hunter, uh, an extremely successful bow hunter, and he is successful in no small part because he takes extreme pains to make sure that when he goes into the field he is as scent free as possible and he knows how to fool the wary whitetails nose and that is none other than Mr. Ron Bice, Communications Director for Wildlife Research Center. Ron, welcome to the show and thanks for being with us today. Yeah, I'm honored to be with you, man. Appreciate it. Well, listen, Ron, we... Uh, We've known each other for a few years, and you've never been shy about preaching the importance of uh, scent control, scent elimination. You've been with Wildlife Research Center for quite a while, and uh, Wildlife Research Center is obviously one of the pioneers in the whole scent control business. Your scent killer products have been around for a while. Tell us a little bit about uh, the history of the scent killer line, and then we'll dive right into talking about how to... Uh, get ready to be scent free out there in the field. Well, Wildlife Research Center, Chris, has been around for, I guess we're going into our 29th year. Um, the only thing we concentrate on at all is the scent elimination products and, uh, of course, attractant scents, scent dispensers. We don't have any sideline products. Uh, we stay focused strictly on trying to fool a big game animal's nose. And uh, Scent Killer and, and, and the line have been around for many years. I've been with Wildlife Research Center uh, for 20 years now, so uh, it goes back quite a while. You know, I think the, uh, the one thing that, that I try to do as far as uh, putting a, an ace in a hole or putting the odds in my favor uh, is definitely taking advantage of trying to eliminate as much human odor as I possibly can going into the field, not only for the hunt that I'm on, Christian, but for leaving behind any lingering human scent. I try to go in as incognito, and I try to walk out as incognito as possible uh, on every hunt that I go on. Yeah, and you talk, uh, one thing that you talk a lot about is the, the idea of uh, realistic scent control. You know, I guess... There are a lot of people who just think that, uh, you know, you can eliminate 100% of your human odor, uh, but maybe, you know, your take on that is if you have a pulse, uh, you're going to be, you know, having some kind of presence there wherever you are. You know, it's kind of impossible, but at the same time, that doesn't mean you can't do an awful lot to be undetected, right? Well, that's exactly it, you know. I honestly believe without question that Wildlife Research Center makes the best products to eliminate human scent uh, on every hunt that you go on. There's no question, but I'm a bow hunter, Chris, and just like you are, I've tried pretty much everything out there. I know that it's an impossibility to get 100% scent free. I know that under, uh, you know, hunting scenarios that uh, you're going to be building perspiration, you're going to be uh, increasing odor, you're going to be leaving behind some scent. The whole key here is taking realistic expectations of it, trying to make sure that that uh, you bring down whatever human order you possibly can uh, with the time and the situation of the hunt. In my case, for example, I hunt a lot of times in, in the back 40, if you will, you know, 40, 120, 120 acres, whatever. I'm a whitetail guy mostly. I can go through quite a few steps, uh, preliminary steps, by... Uh, uh, to reduce my human odor. However, if you're in a situation where you're climbing up the mountain and you're going after an elk or whatever the case may be, uh, you may be out there for two or three days. I mean, it, you, you just can't take advantage of some of those steps. But whatever the time and the situation of the hunt that you're on, by all means, bringing that uh, human odor down to whatever levels you possibly can 
uh, is going to get you a lot closer to more game animals more often, giving you better opportunities for shots. That's the whole thing. It's, it's kind of like, you know, a deer, for example, and, and all big game animals surely can smell better than us, but a, a, a deer can smell a thousand times better than you and I can. I mean, it's been said some people say less, some people say more, but let's just take that number a thousand times. You know, it's just hard to believe what the world smells like to an animal that can, can smell to that degree. But these animals are always maintaining, I don't care if it's deer or, or elk or whatever you're after, they're maintaining safe distance from predators in the area. For example, uh, maintaining that safe distance on their sense of smell. Uh, generally, they can see a lot better or smell a lot better than they can see. And so what they do is, is uh, okay, there's coyotes out there, there's bears out there, there's cougars out there, there's whatever out there, but these animals coexist uh, by, by maintaining safe distance based on their sense of smell. If they smell a predator and that predator gets too close, they're going to relocate. Now, that doesn't mean that they're all going to just vacate the whole country because obviously there's deer out in the back 40 and there's coyotes back there. There's a number of different things. They all coexist together. Uh, and maintain that safe distance on their sense of smell. So if you can just take advantage of that information and say, okay, listen, if I can reduce my own human odor to such levels, and if you can go through the whole scent killer system, if you will, and take the time and you have the opportunity to do it on this particular hunt, you can reduce your human odor to such trace levels that those animals may smell you. They may not, but they may smell you, but they're going to perceive you to be much further away from them than you really are. So in other words, they're not going to relocate. For example, I mean, I'll sit on a tree stand. Uh, I've got many deer uh, downwind of me, even 20 yards away. They may have an idea that I'm there. They may show some sign that, you know, hey, something's up. But they're perceiving that potential danger to be so much further away than I really am that they're not reacting or relocating. So if you have an opportunity to just take into consideration that little bit of information, it doesn't matter whether you've got time to completely shower, wash all your clothes, the whole shoot match, just spraying down with some supercharged scent killer before you actually enter the woods of the hunting scenario, or at it while you're on that hunting scenario, you are definitely going to be reducing that human odor, and those animals are going to perceive you to be much further away from them than you really are, and that's the whole key to trying to take advantage of scent elimination. So just, uh, you know, it works for me. Obviously, if anybody's out there that's listening is, is a serious uh, whitetail hunter, which I know they are, they understand what I'm saying, and they're definitely taking advantage and reaping the benefits. Right, yeah, and like you said, the the process of, you know, odor elimination, odor uh, mitigation, if you will, is not, uh, you know, it's not a zero-sum game. It's a spectrum, you know, that goes the full gamut from zero to a hundred, and while you know, you may not achieve 100% uh, elimination. Uh, taking whatever steps that you can can clearly be the difference, as you pointed out from your examples of what you've experienced in the field is, you know, the difference between a deer, you know, passing through bow range and pausing there long enough to give you an opportunity to go ahead and take that animal as opposed to an animal that hits your wind stream and immediately bolts the area, you know, because, like you said, they they know that not only are you there, but you're right there, you're a clear and present danger, and they're going to vacate that area instantaneously, as opposed to say, uh, they've detected something, they know that there's a human maybe somewhere in the vicinity, but they're not exactly sure what's going on, and as you and I both know, deer elk a lot of these animals that we hunt they are curious animals and they're not necessarily going to flee immediately if they're not convinced that the danger is immediate and a lot of times that little bit of uh, advantage that we can give ourselves with the scent elimination is enough to create that window of opportunity to fill attack well that's exactly it Kristen. and you know it's like a deer that smells a coyote 400 yards away you know it's not going to bolt you know, it's going to, okay, fine, there's a coyote over there. It's kind of like this, you know, you go into the woods and you smell the uh, faint scent of a skunk. Well, you know that there's been a skunk or there is a skunk somewhere in the area, but it's a faint scent, meaning that it's far enough away that, you know, you're not in immediate danger of, of getting sprayed. 
However, if you come across the full-blown scent of a skunk, uh, you're on full alert. And that deer reacts the same way when it encounters predator smells, whether it's coyotes or bears or cougars or hunters. So literally, if you can, if, if you can make yourself smell like the faint scent of honor, it's a big, 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 huge advantage uh, to any hunter uh, out there. And, and again, there's ways that you can do this. I mean, I can go into, yeah, let's, for example. Let, let's talk about those ways. I mean, obviously, the supercharged scent killer spray is kind of the core product in your scent elimination line. But tell me a little bit about your whole system. And, and like you said, maybe the way that your system will differ under various conditions. Obviously, as you pointed out, if you're just hunting the back 40, you can take a shower twice a day before the morning and evening hunt. If you're on a two-week elk hunt in the mountains, you may not take a shower the entire two weeks. So obviously your your scent and the things that you do to control your scent are going to be different depending on the situation. Well, say, let's say, for example, the uh, optimal situation. You're in the back 40. You know, you want to wash all your everything that's going into the field with you in scent killer clothing wash. And we've got a liquid clothing wash. We've got a powder clothing wash. But you want to wash everything. What it's going to do is it's going to take out all foreign odors, human odors, and so on. It's going to completely leave your clothing pristine and smell and basically odorless. Obviously, that's that's a good thing. And once you get those clothes washed and you get those clothes dried, you want to put them in a uh, scent-free container of some sort, whether it be a plastic tub or something like that, something that's not going to uh, have any uh, scent transfer or foreign odor molecules or whatever getting all of your clothing. So you can keep them stored until you're ready to hunt. In my case, I, I put them in big plastic tubs and I throw them in the back of my truck and everything in my in that tub is 100% been washed and, and ready to go. Prior to going out in the field, I'm going to take a shower. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shower in St. Killer Bar Soap or St. Killer uh, Hair and Body Shampoo. And I'm going to make sure that I wash myself to the best degree possible. Then I'm going to slip into clothing that's been washed in scent killer clothing wash as well. So I'm not going to put on any clothing that's, that uh, hasn't been pre, pre-washed in, uh, so that all the clothing, my traveling clothing, for example, is going to be completely as odor-free or scent-free as possible. I slip all that stuff on, and of course, one thing that you want to make sure you do is when you wash yourself and you dry yourself, that that towel you're using has also been washed in scent killer clothing wash so that you're not putting any foreign odors on your body. So, so basically, I slip all these uh, pre-washed clothing on, uh, head out to the, to the hunting site, I get to the hunting site, I take off my uh, the clothing that I've been traveling in, I mean the outer clothing that I've been traveling in because it was sitting in my truck and so on in case may be. I open up the back of my truck, I put on my camouflage and any other clothing that's going with me, and basically I am ready to go. I spray my boots down with supercharged scent killer, I spray the outer parts of my clothing uh, or my camouflage with scent killer as well. Uh, and I slip in and I slip in slowly not to build up the overabundance of sweat or that type of thing. And I into my tree smell. Right. And, and you, you also, um, take care not to, you know, touch a bunch of branches and foliage and things like that on the way to your stand. Absolutely. You know, I try not to leave any, uh, again, a, a good word is incognito. I try, I try to be as low impact on the area as possible. Yeah. You don't want to be touching brush if you don't have to. And then when I move, you know, when I slip through, I don't grab branches and move them out of the way. I just basically work my way through and, and, and try to leave behind zero scent. Those animals, again, a thousand times better sense of smell than you and I can. I mean, they can literally see uh, with their nose better than you and I can see with our eyes. I mean, it's just phenomenal what what they can do. So when you slip in, again, that's why I want to make sure that my boots have been sprayed with scent killer. I want to make sure that I've done everything I possibly can to reduce that human odor to whatever levels I possibly can. And by doing so, literally, I mean, this is a true statement. I have many deer, and of course, I've gone through the full Monty, if you will. I mean, I've done it all. The clothing, the body, the, all the everything that I've got with me uh, has been deodorized, if you will. And I have deer 20 yards downwind to me every year that may have some idea in there, but they do not change their course of action because they encountered my sense strain. Now, if you don't have time to go through all this, again, worst case scenario, best case scenario is to uh, just make sure you've got some supercharged scent killer with you and you spray your boots, you spray your outer clothing, 
and by doing so, you are going to bring down that human order level to such uh, degrees that you will by far get closer to more animals. You'll have better opportunities at bigger animals, the, the, the smaller animals that you don't, that you aren't actually interested in, if in fact that's the case, uh, won't react and tip the hand to the other animals that are in the area. They'll just basically go on and do what they normally do. And uh, you're going to leave the area so much fresher, even when you go in and when you come out. You know, they say the first time you hunt a deer, big game animal, if you will, uh, is your best opportunity of bagging that animal. And the reason is because that animal doesn't know it's being hunted yet. Once that animal becomes completely aware that it's being hunted, because you may have left behind all this big scent pool of human predator, and those animals come through that area after you're long gone from the hunt, they, they know that the hunt is on, and all of a sudden that animal becomes very difficult to kill. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you recommend for somebody who's in a, you know, a backcountry type situation where you're in the field for an extended period, you might be wearing the same pair of underwear for the sixth day. What can that guy do? (laughs) Well, number one, stay away from that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, we have uh, obviously scent killer. Um, That's going to be a major ace in the hole. We've got uh, scent killer field wipes. Basically what field wipes are is they're a... uh, uh, something that you can touch up high perspiration areas with. You know, they come in a package, I think there's like 24 of them in there, whatever the case may be. Uh, you open up the pack, you take one out, you wipe your underarms, you wipe, you know, various uh, uh, high perspiration areas. Um, and that's going to definitely give you a major advantage. Another thing, you can take a, uh, a bar of, uh, of uh, Sencular Bar Soap with you. So if you can get to a stream or whatever the case may be, any water source, uh, you can touch up again. But whatever, whatever you can do, I mean, it's very important. You are definitely going to be increasing the odds of success by taking some steps uh, to whatever degree they are, without a question. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think is a good point to make too, Ron. I'm curious to hear what you feel about this. You know, you talked about the number of animals that you'll have downwind from you and, uh, you know, well within bow range. And, you know, we have all experienced that, you know, those of us who are, um, you know, careful about trying to control our odors, you definitely see the results of that. At the same time, um, you know, I've been there and I'm sure you've been there too. Uh, I've been in stands on certain days when I feel like I've done everything right. And, um, you know, occasionally you're still going to get winded by an animal. You know, you know the wind is is just dead wrong for the way that a particular animal is approaching, and they get into that wind stream, and and clearly they lock up. They've they've sensed that you're there, and um, you know people may be prone to say, you know, in today's day and age with marketing and and obviously, you know, folks uh, are trying to sell product, they're going to say, well, that's it, you know, scent killer or whatever product they're using, they're just going to say, well, it doesn't work, that's it, you know, I'm done with it. I, I think that that is, you know, dangerous too because just as you can't say that every animal, you know, is going to come or that you can say, you know, you had a lot of animals downwind. You can't say that just because you got busted once that there was no benefit to what you did because there might have been, you know, five or six other animals that you did have an opportunity at. So, it, like you say, it, it is a continuum. And, and would you kind of agree with that, too? You know, you you have to you take the good with the bad, but you cannot, you know, take any one particular situation and just say, you know, yes, it's the greatest thing in the world or it has no value whatsoever. You can't judge it that way. I would agree 100% with you, Christian. The truth of the matter is I'm a bow hunter. I mean, the reality of it is, yeah, I'm, I'm also the communications director for Wildlife Research Center. I mean, I, I'm aware of realities uh, when it comes to uh, getting scent free, if you will. Scent free doesn't truly exist in a hunting uh, situation. Again, as I said before, I do believe that Wildlife Research Center makes the best products to do so. I know for a fact there's some tremendous benefits in taking advantage of these products. However, at times you are going to get busted. Now let's put it this way. The first time that I ever rattled, for example, rattled two antlers together to call in some whitetail bucks. Heck, I did that for, I probably tried it 20 times, never had any success. I knew that something was wrong. I didn't know what it was exactly. Uh, I'd see it on TV or on videos back in the old days. And, I, and you know, I guess it comes down to the, 
buck the doe ratio. You know, if you've got a 50-50 ratio, you're going to have super success calling in these animals, whatever. I stopped doing it. I figured, hey, it wasn't going to really be a benefit to me. The truth of the matter is, four years later, I picked it up again. I called in the biggest buck that I ever had an opportunity at. I didn't kill that buck, but I saw it work. I take rattling antlers with me every time I go out, even in early September, believe it or not. Another thing. When you let's go back to let's go to fishing for example. Every time you throw that favorite daredevil out into the water or that favorite rapala, uh, you may not get a bite. You may throw that thing out there thirty or forty times before you can get a hit on it. And if you quit it the thirtieth time before you got the hit, you never realize how valuable that tool can be uh, in a fishing environment. Same thing with scent elimination. Same thing with utilizing attractant sense, if you will. But scent elimination, for example, without a doubt, it is the single most uh, thing, method, technique that you can take advantage of to increase your odds of success. Does it work every time? No. Does it work a lot? Yeah. And depending on the time of the situation of the hunt you're on and, and how much prelim or pre-work you can put into it, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be amazed. At, and I know you already know this, uh, Christian, but I mean, the truth is, and you're right, you know, somebody could be listening and saying, you know, the guy's trying to sell products. You know what? When I talk to people about hunting, I'm not selling products. What I'm doing is I'm trying to share things that are real uh, with people so that these people have a better, more effective, more more fun in the field. Mm-hmm. I, say these same, I say the same things to my best friends and, and to anybody that I'm talking to. I know that taking advantage of scent elimination is going to give you so much more opportunity in the field. And again, if all you've got is time to spray down with some supercharged scent killer, if you will, you're going to see the results. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what it boils down to, Ron, is <clears throat> like so much of what we've been talking about, like you've said several times, I'm a bow hunter, I'm a bow hunter, I'm a bow hunter. Well, we bow hunters know, you know, that there's a million things that have to all come together the right way to harvest any animal with a bow and arrow. And yeah. the very best bow hunters that I know, you know, people like Randy Ulmer, and Bill Winky and Patrick Mateen, these guys that we have on our field staff, the very best bow hunters that you know are, you know, sorry to say if this makes them unhappy, are anal. You know, they are extremely particular about every piece of the puzzle, from their equipment to their clothing to the way that they get in and out of the field. And scent control is an important piece of that overall puzzle and there are so many things that you can't control as a bow hunter you can't control the weather you can't control the wind you can't control what a given animal is going to choose to do on a given day but to the things that you can control be just as particular about your scent elimination regimen as you are about adjusting the rest on your bow or about tuning your broadheads and making sure that you're sighted in, you know, with your broadhead arrows and all those things. And it's like you said, no one thing is going to guarantee success on any given day. But when you put all those things together, you can maximize your chances to be successful on each and every hunt. And if you do that often enough, you put your time in diligently, eventually you are going to meet the success that you've earned in doing that. Well, I agree 100%. And I, and I know I know those guys you're talking about. And, and you know, you don't have to you know, go to... Super. When you, you started this thing out with taking pains to get it, it sent free, truth of the matter is, is again, spraying down with some supercharged sand killer, there's not a lot of pain involved, but the truth of the matter is there's a lot of gain. Um, one other quick thing I wanted to mention about perspective on scent elimination. A big game animal's nose is, we'll compare it to a smoke detector in your house. The smoke detector is constantly there and is constantly encountering smoke molecules, whatever the case may be, but it's, it's not going on full alert because the smoke molecules haven't gotten to such levels that it's going to trip it. The green animal's nose is doing the same thing. It's constantly encountering the smells, whether, again, it be a coyote or a person or whatever the case may be, but it's not going on full alert. But once it gets just one molecule too much of smoke into that smoke detector, it's on full alert. That big room animal's nose is doing the same thing. So if I can bring those older molecules down to the point where I can keep it from tripping like that smoke detector and that big game animal's nose, 
I've done myself a major league favor, and you can definitely do that. So putting it in perspective, comparing it to a smoke detector and a big game animal's nose, they're both doing the same thing. They both hit such uh, overloads of uh, danger molecules, they both go on full alert. If you bring those other molecules down, you're in. Yeah, let's piggyback on the whole scent elimination uh, discussion and move a little bit into the use of attractant scents, um, you guys obviously at Wildlife Research Center have offered a thorough line of scent attractant products for a long time. And, you know, let's talk about that a little bit, talk about some of the new things you have for this year. And as we do that, keep in mind that scent elimination and the use of attractant scents really go hand in hand. You know, I've I've heard a lot of people say, and I tend to agree with this because it just makes sense logically, that if you are going to use attractant scent products as part of your hunting strategy, and you don't, in conjunction with that, practice the best human odor control that you can, you're probably not going to do yourself a lot of favors because when you put those attractant scents out there and the animals pick up on that, they're keying in on those odors, those smells that they're getting. And they're actually heightening, you know, their conscious thought, if you will, about what they're smelling. And if you've got human odor mixed in with that, you may actually be doing more harm than good. So tell me what you think about that and tell me about your uh, strategies when it comes to using attractant scents and scent elimination and how they go hand in hand? Well, first of all, as I said earlier, a big game animal, a deer, for example, can smell a thousand times better than you and I can. So they use that sense of smell to locate food, uh, obviously keep away from danger, uh, find each other, uh, and during the rut or mating season, it plays a tremendous role. So their sense of smell is everything. If yeah, it's, they live and die by their sense of smell, period. So if if I can put out a smell that I know for a fact that's attractive uh, to an animal that I'm hunting, and we'll talk about whitetails, for example, uh, knowing that that animal uh, can smell a thousand times better than I can, I mean, why in the world wouldn't I want to take advantage of something like that? However, if you, as you'd mentioned, Christian, if you, if you go out and put up a scent setup and you've contaminated it with human odor, uh, let's say it smells like a hot doe that's got a hunter riding on its back, might not be quite as attractive as you were hoping it would be. I'd say if, if, if a hunter, possibly the, the mistakes that might be made uh, by some hunters is, is putting out the scent uh, but contaminating with human scent. It's just not going to work. Uh, you can use rubber gloves if you want when you're putting up a scent setup, or you can make sure that your hands are completely free of, of odor uh, when you're putting up scent, but you definitely do not want to contaminate that scent setup with human odor. You're definitely shooting yourself in the foot. You know, it's kind of like, again, coming back to what I said about rattling. Um, I'll compare it to a lure, for example, a fishing lure. Uh, every time you throw out a lure, uh, you may not get a hit, but one, and every time you put out a scent, you may not see the reaction. Uh, they, you think they smell it, but they don't come into it. Every time you hit a grunt call, they may not come into it. Every time they see a decoy, they don't come into it. Because of this, you don't quit utilizing these opportunities. Uh, Trails in 307, for example, it's, it's, a, it's the first scent that Wildlife Research Center came up with. It's the first product that Wildlife Research Center came up with. 29 years ago. It's a curiosity type scent as well as a food type scent, and it's got some sexual attractors to it. It's, in my opinion, the, the best early season lure that you can possibly use. I'm talking in September, early September, all the way up to, uh, all the way through the rut for that matter. But utilizing the right type of scent at the right time of year is also another key to success. For example, uh, you, you really don't want to utilize an estrus-type scent. Uh, Wildlife Research Center has a fabulous estrus-type scent. It's called Special Golden Estrus. It's been around a long time. I use it very, very religiously, if you will, uh, two weeks prior to what I know is going to be peak breeding. And, and I'm in Minnesota, uh, so anywhere in the Midwest, anywhere from, say, the, the 25th of October uh, on throughout the rest of the season, that's when I throw in special golden esters or estrus type scents. Utilizing the wrong type of scent too early isn't going to be as effective. Um, and that's why early season, you want to utilize a curiosity type scent or a food type scent 
when you get into uh, a couple of weeks or three or four weeks prior to uh, peak, breed, peak breeding, you might want, you're going to want to utilize a territorial type scent. Territorial type scent basically a smell that's from the animal that you're actually hunting. For example, it could be a, a buck urine, it could be a dominant buck urine uh, with some musk gland secretions. Wildlife Research Center has got another product called uh, Megatarsal Plus. It's a fabulous territorial scent. And I kicked that in a couple of weeks, uh, probably around the uh, 10th or so of October. And again, that's three or four weeks before peak breeding. Um, but when I get in two weeks prior to, I kick in the estrus type scents. And in my case, the special golden estrus, uh, it really is a, a, an excellent scent. I'd recommend it highly to anyone out there. Uh, give it a whirl, but again, you want to utilize it two weeks prior to peak breeding, and then you can utilize it throughout the rest of the season. As I mentioned, Trails in 307 is a great season, a great early season. It does work well during the rut as well, and it works great late season. But why do you want to take advantage of a scent? Obviously, if these animals live and die by their sense of smell, they find each other, they find food, they, they find their mates. Uh, the whole thing is based on their sense of smell. Putting out a scent that you're a smell that you know is attracted to those animals, not contaminating that scent setup when you're doing so. Uh, and when you see it work, just like you see that daredevil work when you throw it into the water after the 30th cast, uh, you're not going to go in the field without it. Now, what's your favorite method for dispersing scents like that, whether it be a curiosity scent or a sexual attractant scent? There's so many things that are out there in the market now. I mean, you can get. You can get uh, scents that are aerosolized. You can get special heater units to put your scent in that's supposed to disperse it better. Um, then there's your your you know your old-fashioned scent wicks, if you will, um, your drags that you can bring along the trail. What are your favorite strategies, Ron? What have you seen to be successful for you over the years in getting your scent dispersed in the field? Well, believe it or not, Christian, Wildlife Research Center has got a, a product called a Kiwik. A Kiwik is just a simple little special synthetic felt uh, thing. looks like a key. It's probably about four inches tall. You can hang that up. I generally like to hang them up about uh, six feet above the ground, and you can dip that wick or a bottle right up onto that wick because it's hanging off a little branch or a twig, and that uh, the absorbency of the, uh, of the Kiwik is going to draw uh, all the scent that you're going to need uh, to really get that uh, wick loaded up. The reason I like to go with a, a key wick uh, is because in, instead of throwing it on the side of a rock or the side of a tree or even on the ground for that matter is because you're going to get a lot more uh, scent dispersal. You know, when you put it on the ground, you get you get or on the side of a rock or a tree or whatever the case may be, you, you can get a lot of the high evaporation rate. Uh, obviously, that's not something that you really want. And you're also going to get limited uh, scent dispersal. Um, again, putting it up six feet on a kiwik and letting those thermals and those wind currents just carry that scent out a long ways. Uh, that's pretty much the way that I do it. I usually will set one up off to my, uh, for example, a bow hunting scenario, obviously gun hunting as well. But in a bow hunting scenario, my maximum confidence shooting range, I might throw one off to my right as I'm, uh, as I'm facing into the wind because I always like to keep the wind in my face. Um, put it off at about a 45-degree angle off to my right, one off to a 45-degree angle off to my left. A um, couple of things that are going to happen. Uh, hopefully, in the grand finale, I'm going to have an animal come right to that scent dispenser, and it's going to give me the perfect quality shot that I'm looking for. If an animal is coming behind me, for example, uh, it's going to intercept that smell before it encounters any potential scent that I've got on myself, which is obviously not a good thing. And as we spoke earlier, I do everything I can do to eliminate my human imprint out there as far as smells go. However, if that animal is coming behind me and it smells that thing from even two or 300 yards, it could very well work its way up to that scent dispenser rather than continuing on its way. And if it did continue on its way, rather than intercepting that smell, uh, it might bust me actually in the location. Hopefully that's not going to happen. But So you've got an advantage. Not only are you going to be able to bring animals that are going to come behind you and they're going to walk up to those wicks because they, they have a curiosity smell or it's a food-type smell or it's depending on the time of year, it's a territorial-type smell or it's an estrus-type smell. And again, off to my right, off to my left, my maximum confidence shooting range, definitely going to increase opportunities that I would not have had hadn't I taken advantage of the utilizations of sense. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about scrapes, because I know you guys have uh, your Magnum scrape dripper is a popular product, and you've also um, 
tweaked your your scrape attractant uh, for this year. When do you hunt scrapes or or mock scrapes? Do you do you uh, put drippers over a lot of active scrapes in your area? Do you create your own scrapes? And and what kind of a role does uh, does the scrape dripper play in your overall deer hunting strategy, Ron? Well, I do utilize a lot of uh, magnum scrape drippers, and as the Product Wildlife Research Center has, has got, uh, I'll explain a little bit. I I hunt a lot of scrapes. Uh, obviously, you know for a fact that there's there's been bucks there. There's a good chance that bucks are going to come back to these areas. Now, not all scrapes are created equal. Obviously, the number one thing is you want to make sure that the scrape that you're hunting has got an overhanging interaction branch. Now, these are branches, as most hunters out there are aware of, but they're over the scrape, uh, hanging over the actual scrape. They're interaction. These, these uh, bucks will come up to those branches. They're usually about five feet off the ground. They'll work their antlers onto those uh, interaction branches. They will work their preorbital glands onto those uh, interaction branches. These are the glands between the eyes. Uh, they'll work their forehead glands. They'll chew on the overhanging limbs. They're leaving behind a tremendous amount of uh, communication uh, between the uh, deer that are in those areas. So I know scrapes um, are very effective. Wildlife Research Center came up with a, uh, an ultimate scrape dripper several years ago. Uh, and two or three years ago came up with the Magnum scrape dripper. I prefer the Magnum scrape dripper, and the reason is is because it's got, a, it's got more of a capacity uh, as far as being able to put more scent in it and leaving the dripper in itself to drip for a longer period of time without me having to go in and uh, either change the scent or put more scent in it. Um, Magnum scrape drippers basically have a nine ounce capacity inside the actual dripper itself. And inside that capacity, as long as the amount of air that's in the dripper is larger than the amount of scent that you have in it, you're going to be able to get this thing activated. It activates on the changes and rise in temperature. For example, in the, in the evening hours, temperatures are generally never rising. They're generally just going down or staying, maintaining themselves. During the beginning of the day, as the sun comes up, uh, the day starts to warm up, the dripper itself, the air pocket inside the dripper, starts to becoming uh, warmed up, and as air warms, it expands. So, Magnum Scrape Dripper, you put four ounces uh We'll talk about active scrape in a minute, but I generally put active scrape in my drippers. Four ounces of active scrape and a magnum scrape dripper hanging up over the interaction branch. The five ounces of uh, air pocket inside the magnum scrape dripper, as it warms up, starts to heat or starts to expand, forcing scent out onto the, the mock scrape or active scrape, if you will, uh, slowly but surely, and it generally drips for two to three weeks under normal hunting, uh, normal temperature shifts uh, during hunting season. So what you're doing basically with active scrape, um, and this year, as you'd mentioned, we, we came up with the uh, time release formula active scrape, meaning time release, what happens is it's going to last longer, the smells are going to last longer, uh, it's going to be more effective overall. Coming out of that dripper, down onto your scrape, for two to three weeks, as bucks come through, they smell that, You've got uh, doe urine, you've got uh, buck urine, you've basically got all the different smells, various smells that you're going to uh, have in an active scrape freshening during daytime hunting hours because it drips daytime only because of the temperature rises, that you're conditioning the bucks in your area to come into those scrapes during hunting hours rather than at night when they normally might. So you're reconditioning those deer to come in during hunting hours, giving you opportunities that you wouldn't have had have you taken advantage of uh, utilizing drippers over scrapes? What uh, What's the timing that you'll use your your scrape drippers? Uh, is that the whole deer season, or what segment do you typically find is uh, most productive? You know, Christian, the, the minute these bucks shed velvet, they start working scrapes. They start making scrapes. So the reality of it is, and again, anywhere in the Midwest for sure, um, you're talking, and I'm talking anything north of the uh, Texas border, if you will, uh, you're talking around the uh, 1st to the 15th of September. So I'm going to uh, start uh, scrapes uh, in early September. So as soon as those bucks start uh, shedding velvet, 
they encounter my scrapes, and uh, then they start working them, and they start maintaining, staying in that particular area. It's going to give me good early season opportunities. Once the uh, full-blown rut hits, uh, scrapes really aren't going to be that attractive, and the reason is because these bucks are actually out there chasing the, the real thing. Uh, the communication between uh, the communication value of a scrape to a buck during the rut, the literal rut, uh, has gone down significantly. Mm-hmm. However, um, I'll, I'll I'll work scrapes up until uh, basically until the first of November, if you will, um, and I pretty much stop until around the uh, 23rd, 25th, uh, late part of November, and then I start working scrapes again um, because they be, you, you've got that secondary rut kicking back in. Of course, that's when the uh, when the does that didn't literally get bred and conceived during the uh, first initial rut are going to come back into estrus. Secondary rut generally sometime in the Midwest, anywhere around the uh, 10th of December, if you will, if I had to just grab a date. So then scrapes are going to be you know highly effective again. <clears throat> let's uh, let's talk about one more product uh, that you guys have new for this year. Um, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, Ron, did you guys have? have a new uh, another new uh, deer scent product uh, that's like a manufactured scent or something that we had talked about recently yeah we did we came up with a line of sweet mash products christian um you know i showed those to you at the shot show or the ata show uh, earlier this year and what they are is is there a uh We've got the uh, sweet buck mash and sweet acorn mash, sweet apple mash, and uh, sweet corn mash. Uh, The mash term in itself doesn't really mean, uh, you know, uh, mash. What it means is it's a collective term that we put together because of all the different ingredients it took to... uh, to get the pinnacle of the smell that we were hoping for. For example, apple, sweet apple mash. Uh, it smells uh, just like the most delicious apple you've ever eaten, uh, in my opinion, anyway. Um, what you do well, with these I'll, mash... I'll, con- I'll confirm it, Ron. It smells really good because I smell it. Actually, you sent me some, and I've got a bottle of all three of those here in my office, and uh, they all smell good, man, like... like you know, you could drink it, although I'm not going to attempt to do that. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest it. You know, you might be a little bit disappointed, but uh, I could still smell it just, just sitting here. I, mean, I don't have any with me, so I mean, you know, this stuff's incredible. But what, it, what, what it's meant to be, it comes in a 24-ounce bottle to high-output trigger sprayer on it. Uh, what, what you hope to do is you get out to your uh, hunting location for whitetails. Uh, go out uh, 20 yards, 30 yards from your uh, hunting stand with the uh, you know wind in your face, and spray a large area. Spray an area that uh, basically what you're doing is you're planting a uh, an apple orchard, if you will, that uh, you know all over the foliage. Put it in the upper limbs if you can. Just you know spray it all over. Uh, what you're doing is when a deer comes through uh, and it smells that fresh apple. Uh, if it has any sense of hunger in any way, shape, or form, or even curiosity, uh, it's going to come over into that general vicinity and linger for a period of time, giving you an opportunity. Um, I generally wouldn't put out an apple, a sweet apple mash, if I wasn't hunting in an area that had apples in it. I would want to introduce a foreign smell. Um, in that particular case, if I were hunting uh, out of an oak tree, for example, I would use sweet acorn mash. Again, 24-ounce bottle. Um, it's it's you know just spray it out it's going to uh collect on all the foliage that's over there you're trying to build uh or create the illusion that there's a food source that doesn't really exist now this stuff is not food in any way shape or form uh not meant to even spray it on food it's basically just uh, an attractant that you're you know, uh, attractive to their sense of smell uh sense of curiosity sense of hunger and um of course then we've got the sweet corn mash doing basically the same thing, trying to create the illusion that there's a food source that doesn't really exist, but as long as they are attracted to it, come over to it, actually get into it, uh, going to create opportunities that uh, may not have existed for shots if hadn't taken advantage of it. I'm pretty excited about these new products. Personally, I have not had the opportunity yet to take advantage of them. This, we just came up with them this year. Uh, introduced them for 2011. I will be utilizing those uh, this hunting season and to uh, try them. I do a lot of video work for Wildlife Research Center uh, throughout the hunting season in a variety of locations. I'll have a perfect opportunity to take advantage of these things. But knowing what I know about a deer's sense of curiosity, sense of smell, uh, there's almost zero possibility that they're not going to be extremely attractive to these products, and I'm, I'm looking forward to trying them out. So is this the first time that Wildlife Research Center has gone into the uh 
the food type attractant sense as opposed to you know the actual deer based uh, attractants. Uh, more or less, uh, Trail Gen 307 literally is a food type scent as well. But uh, you know, rather than putting out, you know, Trail Gen 307 comes in a one ounce bottle, a four ounce bottle. In this particular case, you've got 24 ounces. I think the retail price on these products is 12.99, by the way. Uh, so you can put a lot of it out there, and for a pretty uh, limited, you know, uh, pretty low price. I mean, you're not going to put the whole 24 ounces out there. Is my point. But uh, when you're talking about uh, you know, Trail Gen 307 definitely has a food attractant value to it. However, it's also got a sexual attractant, and it's also got more curiosity. So the answer to that question is pretty much yes, but not totally yes. Gotcha. Well, like I said, it, it definitely smells good, you know, all, all three varieties, and I'll give it a try this year as well, and uh, it's definitely something that, uh, again, like anything else that we discussed, Ron, uh, there's no there's no magic bullet in this game, you know, but uh, right. on any given day, you know, the, one of the one of the several things that we can employ as bow hunters to give ourselves an advantage may be, may be you know the 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 ingredient that trips the trigger, if you will, and uh, why not right. take advantage of every advantage that we can get because when it comes down to it at the end of the day even the very best bow hunter in the world is unsuccessful many many more times a field than he is successful and so uh, uh the advantage remains in the animal's favor and uh, we've got to do all that we can to uh increase the odds so that occasionally we can punch that tag and bring some meat home in the back of the pickup you know, you know, you know. That's exactly it. You know, but, but the nice thing about it, when you when you, when you're putting these little odds in your favor, uh, getting back to scrapes, for example, first time I've uh, actually uh, had success building a mock scrape. Um, I put this scrape out uh, like three weeks prior to the hunt, and and uh, I was excited to go check this thing out. But I slipped up; it was dark uh, before sunrise. I slipped up into my stand. I knew my scrape was 16 yards away. I was waiting to see it. I couldn't see it. Uh, and literally, all of a sudden, that magic uh, moment uh, when I realized, hey, it's time to hunt. And I looked over, and I looked into that scrape, and I swear to God, it's a true statement. I had a 90-inch, 8-point buck working that mock scrape. I did not shoot that deer, but I'll tell you what, it's something that I'll never forget as long as I live. And I say it this way, if something happens on a hunt that you'll never forget as long as you live, that's a successful hunt. It just increases the overall excitement uh, of, of getting out there and truly enjoying the hunt, putting as many odds in my favor as possible, taking that whole bag of tricks. It's not loaded with just sense and scent elimination, I can assure you. I got all kinds of tricks in my bag, uh, and they're all there for a reason, but every one of them is there for a reason, and I'm going to take advantage of every one of them. And by doing so, I have increased my success in the field and my pleasure uh, and overall experiences uh, big time, and I'm, I'm quite happy. Uh, that bag of tricks I've got is the one that I've got. Yeah, absolutely, and, and uh, you know, that's a good point to end on because, you know, when it comes right down to it, it's really only, honestly, it's really only the people who don't hunt who who think that hunting is really all about killing because if you add up all the time in your entire hunting lifetime that you're actually killing an animal, that will add up to perhaps a minute or two of total elapsed time in the field that it took you to kill all the animals that you'll ever kill. And then you add up the rest of the time and it's going to be weeks and months and maybe years spent out there. And it's the entire experience that really makes it uh, such a passion for all of us and the process is you know just as important as the result and uh, and all these things from scent elimination to attract and sense to to the strategies that we put forward in you know selecting stand sites or where we put food plots or uh, the properties that we choose you know to hunt on it's all part of the game and it's all part of the experience and it's what makes it so fascinating because there's no two hunts that are the same and we're constantly learning and refining and developing our strategies and uh, appreciate your time today Ron I know you guys have a website with a lot of resources on there uh, not only about your product but uh, maybe some strategies some some scent elimination type tips where can people learn more about Wildlife Research Center uh, you're right. We've got a website. It's called wildlife.com. Pretty simple. Wildlife.com. 
you know, one thing I one, one thing I wanted to share also uh, with with the, the listeners is, you know, when I was talking about the Sweet Mash products and so on, Wildlife's got a, a wide variety of, of products that uh, that I didn't talk about, obviously. The one thing that I'll share with you that I that I what I like so much uh, another thing about Wildlife Research Center is that every product that Wildlife Research Center offers to a consumer has got a 100% money back guarantee. No questions asked. For example, the sweet mash that I haven't had an opportunity to try yet. When we introduce that product, I'm confident that it wouldn't have a Wildlife Research Center brand if it hadn't been tried and tested by a number of different people. However, if a consumer went out there and bought that product because they listen to us on this on this radio program right now, if by chance for some reason or another they don't, uh, it doesn't meet up to their expectations with a copy of their sales slip up to full suggested retail, Wildlife Research Center will buy it back from that consumer. So, and that includes everything from the Kiwix to the Magnum Scrape Trippers to the Scent Killers to on and on and on it goes. So, it gives a, a, a listener an opportunity to uh, risk-free basically go off and try some of these products, try some of the techniques that we talked about. Uh, and the reason they have the 100% money-back guarantee, Christian, is these products actually do work. But it gives somebody a sense of uh, confidence that, you know what, and you've got limited funds, you want to go out and spend it on something in this category, for example, uh, you might as well spend it on something that you know that, hey, if this doesn't work for me, I'm going to be able to at least get my money back. Uh, so that's that's another thing that I, I just wanted to share with people so that they realize, hey, give it a whirl. Um, do it the way we talked about. Experiment with it. I think you'll find some serious success with it, and I think you'll appreciate the fact that we uh, listened to these uh, t- tips today. Well, that's uh, that's good to know, Ron. Again, I, I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of useful information uh, in this conversation that we've had. I think that there's, you know, things that people can pull out, put to use in their own uh, hunting repertoire. And uh, like you said, it's not. Yeah, you're selling products, but you're not just selling products. You're a hunter. You you have the same passion uh, that we all do, and uh, we're all just trying to do what we can to uh, fool these animals, as you say, to fool their nose. And it's a it's a quest that's been going on for many years, and it will continue for many years to come. And uh, I'm glad that Wildlife Research Center has been a part in uh, kind of bringing us down the road uh, toward. Uh, success and I appreciate your time and I wish you guys all the best of success uh, in 2011 and you make sure to follow up with me this fall and let me know how you made out with those new mash products okay I'll do that I will alright Ron well thanks again appreciate you being a part of Bull Hunting Radio and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again before long as always it's been a pleasure Christian okay take care now bye bye thanks for listening to Peterson's Bull Hunting Radio Presented by Easton's Hard-Hitting Access Arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.